Hey, yo, welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. This is the episode that should have probably came out a month ago, but life has a way of existing, whether or not we have a podcast to do every week or whether we have a mother that's on her last days. Thank you to every single fucking human, whether you knew her, whether you didn't, for reaching out. Thank you to so many people who just said kind things about her or remembered kind things about her. It's uh, it's not the time right now to go fully in detail, but um, I've been off because my life has been off. And um, a month ago was a different story. And in the time since then, the podcast as a whole never left my mind, but there was things to do, heavy thoughts weighing in, and I just didn't focus on this, and that's the best way to put it, but um, we'll tie this back in a couple of times during this little solo, John, but uh, being a part of this hardcore scene, which we are a month away from... 17, uh, not 27, I can't even say 17, 27 years of me booking my first show and um, looked at the math and 18 years since, not even 18, what do I keep saying the wrong fucking decade? Um, that's how off I am because some of this is off the cuff. 28 years since I played my first band show and 30 years since I went to my first hardcore show. And I was going to rock concerts, and you guys who listen know all that shit. But this is what my life is embedded in. I have a normal, regular construction union job, and this hardcore scene has kept me mentally afloat, kept me surrounded by amazing people close to home and far from home who, when the dark times come, provide all the support and love that makes you feel or makes me feel like a part of something bigger than myself. And it's why as I get older, I don't just dip out because I love this. I love the people. I love what the people can do at their best of times. I love what people pull together. I love seeing thousands of kids go nuts for bands. I love, even when I don't know the band, I just, I can, you can just show me a video and not hear the music. If I see kids going off and I'm like registered as a hardcore show, I'm fucking psyched. I love this community. I love the world that got a lot smaller because of the connections that everybody has. And I think that's important to bring up as I get into the reason, the first real idea, the first spark to get me to say, yo, I'm going to turn on the fucking computer, pop on this fucking focus, right, John, and, and talk some shit. And so thank you to all of her, all of Hardcore, all of my friends, everyone who knows me and everybody who ever met my fucking mother, and won't. that's all I got to say about that. Um, so yeah, I was on this fucking Twitter, right? You know, because that's what we do. It's a big, we'll go back to this about 15 million times, and, you know, typical to my analytical nature of trying to assess what what's the scuttlebutt or what's going on. My good friend X, Xavier, amazing guitar player, uh, also has a pretty cool side rap project he did over covid quite cool um plays in every band sick riffs god bless him was uh 
talking about somebody in a comment saying about a band being an industry plan. I don't remember the name of the band because it's less material importance than the overall ideal and the overall principle of what he was saying that, you know, it's a little silly to talk about hardcore and industry and me sometimes kind of going, well, here's the other perspective. And then later down the line, my good friend James popped on and on a different thing and was like, that's crazy with no managers or PR or labels or um, not managers, but you know, no, none of this, none of the people involved. And I said, well, labels are part of the industry. And then the ball started rolling and I, I let it go. Cause it wasn't like an argument. It was like, Hey, this is a perspective, whatever. So then down the line, as I was uh, listening to the new episode of the Broad Street Breakdown, as I'm cooking steak, potatoes for me and my beloved, these ideas kept coming back to me. You know, this talk of this industry plant thing. And I'd said my thing that was kind of not snarky, but more or less saying, you know, for everybody who sees the daily amount of information, whether it's the shows, the fest announces, all this shit. Really, I mean, none of this shit uh, applies to the entire hardcore world. Because the hardcore world is so far based in the internet that, like for me, I I know a lot of shit that happens beforehand. And I know Bob and Greg and Scanlon and all these little weasels who know shit that's happening 78 years from now, practically. And the the people that aren't in this, that world of show tours that are about to be announced, bands are going to do a new record, things that are going to happen. It, a lot of this is, it, it's uh, what they say, inside baseball is what uh, people say. But uh, it's it's just being involved versus being on the outside of the inner workings of this big fucking machine, which is why it's kind of fun to see the hardcore scene be afraid to be called an industry yet at a time when everybody who is even meagerly successful is involved in the industrial nature that is the modern hardcore scene and i find the irony worth just laughing at hold on i'm gonna sip my hot tea i gotta get a little hot tea in that throat um so before i delve into the industrial area of it i'll just go ahead and say that i wrote a couple notes out and then kind of gave me like my first exciting spark of things to say. So in the beginning, we find music. You know, um, there are people that skip step one. And that's the satanic element of part three. Part three, if you don't know the music, but you're involved in some kind of fucking activity, skateboarding seems to be the uh, activity most assigned to people to help find music. If they're not really listening to music, skating and the things that people listen to and um, non-physical activity based, the obvious answer is internet today and social media, which is the primary source of the influences that happens, which also could then relate back to skating. But ultimately, first you find the music. And to say that everything online and that online is primary source is like super important. And then if you didn't find your music or your entrance into anything, you know, you got friends. And even Kevin Hare has friends, which is fucking 
Eric Wolk, I'm I'm sure he had a couple friends in the sandbox playing in fucking Bethlehem or wherever the fuck he's from. There's always somebody who's got something, sort of friends, and maybe they put them onto the shows or the music that other bands would be playing shows at. And even there's all these cool stories. For me, it was all the relatives, and, and, you know, I got lucky in that resort. But, you know, these are the primary ways that everybody sort of finds these things out. You know, um, and, and there are outlet outliers. There are people who their parents were hardcore kids. Definitely in the case of Caden Rosario. Definitely in the case of um, a lot of these younger folks now have parents who are into hardcore and somehow that's how they are blessed with knowing about this amazing scene, right? Mm. Um, I would go as far as to say that step two should be obvious, but it's not as easy as obvious. I mean, in in, in some people, they go right to the fucking the, the mother's tit, like a pure hardcore show, but it's not usually the case. You know, concerts was it for me. Or maybe it's like a concert because there's a barrier and it's some band who puts their fucking foot up on a like box so they can headbang. Or maybe if you're older, it was the Warp Tour or some other thing that was... I don't use the A word, so don't get me to say it, but like some completely metallic thing but geared towards the younger audiences and all ages type shows. But, but at some point, you know... There, there's a good argument that we could go back to if we really want to fucking split hairs here and say that, you know, you don't have to go to shows. And I talk about that a couple pages into my notes later, but it's not nice the way I talk about it. So we'll leave that out for right now. The primary idea of the flow chart would be that you find some form of music or you find some form of activity, be it the internet or through somebody that you know, or run into, or maybe school, or skateboarding, and that's the entry point, you know, completely organic, similar to other people's stories, or completely different than other people's stories, but it's kind of like an origin story, you know, if we're all fucking characters in some kind of magazine, right, Um, and then through meeting people really determines what you're going to really do, but the key aspect is meeting, and not meeting people online or friend requesting or following or flirting, but truly meeting people, looking at them in the eye, knowing who they are, making that connection. It's a key aspect to this whole diatribe I'm about to go on here. So then, by nature, you go to a show, you know, there's a thousand of these type of people, and we've talked about it a lot. You know, you got the quiet people that no one knows, you got the people that don't shut the fuck up, the people that everyone thinks um, like they're weird or, I mean, in hardcore, you know, people that you only know from their username now is probably the better modern parlance to all this stuff where you don't really know the person. You might know the face now. It's like, oh, yeah, that's at blah, blah, blah on this thing, but not at blah, blah, blah on the other thing. And that's just a part of the, the common world now. But the end result is that this interaction point is a fucking show. It might be a concert, but to really get to the nitty-gritty of what I'm talking about, I'm going to cut you out of anything that's like, you know, not a pure hardcore show or a, a pure experience in hardcore. Like if, you know, because I just feel like it's more organic to meet people. Whereas if you're at a larger rock concert type 
you know, venue that you're going to hang with your folks, but there could be hundreds or maybe thousands of people that are not quite like your folks. But if you're in a bigger room show, then you kind of are mostly around your folks or you're in a place experience these kind of things. And that's really where the social interaction point really starts taking place. And all this water wheel type social shit starts to happen. So you've met some people. What do you do? Well, I mean, if you got a cool scene, maybe some people are giving out flyers. Maybe these people are like, yo, look me up and follow me on in and blah, blah, blah. Or maybe you're like one of these lone wolves. No one really knows but even how you found shows. But at some point, you pick one of these couple categories. It's go to more shows. You know, it's go to more shows. And then as you go to shows, maybe you go to... um the internet a lot and you start meeting more people and then that's just going to make you go to more fucking shows. And then when you're at shows, you're going to meet more fucking people. And then, you know, depending on where you're at, are you uh, like an outgoing individual and you're trying to travel and go to shows or maybe, maybe you're trying to start a band, you know, plenty of people just don't even, they don't even know what to do, but they're like, yo, I want to start a band. Or maybe they're musically inclined and they're looking to start a band. Or maybe they've already been in a band and now they've come over to this scene and this is the the next evolution. And then I have like a lot of auxiliary friends, people who are zine writers and photographers and people who like doing things, might have a bit of social... Not paralysis, but like particular social behavior that it works best if they're talking about things like hardcore and punk, but don't talk to people about their regular life, that kind of deal. You know, uh, photographers are a lot like that. Not every photographer is super outgoing, but they love the photography. They love the shows. And it's a big part of what draws them to it is the energy and capturing that energy. And they may just not be, they not every photographer may want to be everybody in the entire hardcore scene's best friend. And that's equally cool. And this is the rinse and repeat cycle. You go to shows, you meet more people. That just fucking happens. And, and as long as you're going to shows, and as long as you're going to shows, you're going to meet more people. That's really, that's really the key aspect of here. You tell me you should make a tattoo of it. Go to shows, you're going to meet more people. And that's we start breaking this even further down for those who are like, don't quite grasp it. If we went and talked about the bands, you're going to go to shows, right? Because you're going to want to see the shows. So then you're going to meet more people. Um, these bands may or may not have the internet, but usually at some point, every band in the modern way gets an internet so people know they're in the band. Or maybe they just have the internet personally and they start talking to people. So that kind of goes back and forth. The bands on the internet, they go to shows. They meet more people. They're ba- you know they meet more people from the internet. They get to play some shows and they meet more people and they go back to the internet. They get shows from the internet. Maybe you know they start doing the the, the HC at the end of their name or they do the you know Bandcamp and, and and the social media and the band sites really start picking up. And they're still going to shows. They're still meeting more people. And eventually down the line, if you're in a band and and you're you're playing. And we'll get to the side quest if you're not later on. But, you know, you're eventually going to play more shows. And eventually you may even book a tour. And all this keeps going back in the same cycle of booking the shows, playing the shows, meeting more people, doing the thing to grow your fucking band. And then we get to the my favorite page. And I, I didn't take a picture of this, but I should. Um, 
once you start playing in these bands, you're going to go play more shows. Now, caveat, if you're also someone who doesn't play, you may also just go to more shows outside and go to other cities. Maybe it's because of the internet. Maybe you want to see a specific band. Um, but yeah, the band who really plays a lot of shows goes to shows and um, they leave their city a lot. They're going to do a lot of the same shit we just talked about. They're going to play a lot of shows. They're going to meet a lot of new people. They're going to meet more people from the internet for the shows they did, for the activity on their Instagrams and their Facebooks or whatever the fuck they use. And they're going to end up, I mean, there's there's people that exist in hardcore who solely talk online to everybody all day. And what's funny about these people is some of them, they're in bands that play locally but don't go to other shows. Like, I know people that talk on the internet all day, and they don't go to shows. And I know people that uh, talk all day, and no one even knows their real fucking name because they're Instagram. Like, oh, yeah, that's that, that's that person. Oh, shit, that's who that is? Um, a lot of these people who talk all day but no one ever knows their name, they love going to fests. Um, they also seem to know the people that play all the fucking shows, go to every show, and always leave their fucking city. And they definitely... The people who is only known by their username definitely talk to all the people who are online all day just fucking talking. And it's really funny. And um, yeah, the people who talk to everybody on day, online all day, they absolutely go to every fest. Um, the people who talk online every day definitely goes to other cities. Then they meet more fucking people. And this is like the, the flow of... Um, communication and interaction this is like a port of communication or the port of like how the social network within using these social networks and internet kind of coexists right and this is how people the flow the flow of information the flow of gossip the scuttlebutt if you're an old man and want to say that old guys i work with say scuttlebutt it cracks me up every time but if you're a band or you know these kind of people Eventually, you're going to start running into dun, da, 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 the industry side of the world, which is super funny. And I'll get into that. But yeah, you know, at some point, if you're doing all these things, just going to shows all the time, going to shows in different cities, meeting new people. If you're in a band that are just playing locally, but people are starting to check them out, maybe you're playing other shows. Maybe you talk to the people that talk to everybody online. Maybe you talk to the people that no one even knows a real name but they know who you are. Maybe you go to fests. Maybe your band knows the band who plays all the shows. But at some point, you're going to start meeting people who work or run the following things. Maybe they're a record label person. Maybe they're a booking agent. Maybe they work in management. And then, you know, you even have the uh, the less heralded but equally important type people like my friend Carlos from No Echo, or all the amazing photographers that document this awesome fucking scene that we have. Or maybe if Sonny's not too tired from holding that fucking camera up all these hours, you might even meet Sonny. You know? You, or if you're unfortunate enough to run into many of us podcasters, then yeah, that's another element of uh, side, side industry elements of hardcore that eventually going to cross your path because you're going to shows, you're meeting more people, you're online, you're talking, and there's this entire flow of thing that's constantly happening. This is like, this isn't just like, oh, this happens and then this happens. This is step one, step two, step three. This is all happening at fucking once. 
page one, page two, and page three is in a constant cycle of new people finding shit from other people or for activities. These new people eventually go to concerts or they go to shows. Maybe they go to shows and then maybe they start their new bands and then they get stuck in the band category where they're playing the shows, they're going to meet more people, they play more shows, they start doing their website, then they start booking more shows, going a little bit further, they're constantly on the internet, then they run into all the people from the internet. And it's just this fucking cycle. It's a diluge of concentrated communication and information constantly flowing faster than it ever had when I was writing fucking letters, licking fucking stamps. Yeah, lick them. Not that pull-off stamp fucking sticker shit. The licking of the stamp and sending it. Maybe I called Nick B from Cold Front too much and asked him about the Iceman and shit like that. But I was a fucking punisher. And wanted to know everything I could about fucking hardcore. And back when we were doing this shit, before this fucking internet, my mother's telephone number was on the goddamn internet. And people would call my mom and say, where's Joe? We're trying to play Philly. And via this. We called people. We wrote fucking letters. We traded fucking tapes. And we fucking met people. God damn it. Wrote fucking letters. Motherfuckers don't even use handwriting now. Just type everything. That was my old man speech for the night. And then, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into some of this fun shit because I think it all kind of plays into this where then people who have this industry plant idea and they say industry plant and they say like, you know, th- we'll get to the other side of like the people who don't really get it. I'm hoping if some of these people are listening, they check this out. Um, Josh Trustkill who one day will be on the podcast when we stop playing this game of, hey, you should come on my podcast. And he says, yes, I totally should. And then we never book. Uh, Josh Truskill is famous for having the sickest basement shows possibly in the history of Earth, aside from John and his sister, the Hilts, who equally had sick New Jersey shows. And New Jersey at one point in the early 90s was the most important and it stayed that way for a long fucking time and there's still tons of people from New Jersey that have done so much for fucking hardcore but all these people who ended up in labels all started going to shows so these people we're talking about now did everything on page one and two and three for years and they you know some of them played shows and they've definitely all been the shows um, the, Josh Trustkill definitely booked some shows. He definitely booked fast. And in a case before there was a shit ton of people in the manager class, the labels did a lot of jobs, a lot of unpaid jobs, didn't do the double dipping of being the record label and the manager, but helped bands get things together. So that way they were able to be better assets and being able to a bigger band that would then sell more records and then if the record label sells more records they've got more money they could put out more records this is the thing that doesn't people understand is my friend lumpy you know this days it, it works because people like the bands people in the bands promote the releases that Days put out. Days puts out records, they sell records. When they sell the records, they get money. When the money comes back to Lumpy, he gets to buy more records. I don't know if Lumpy's got a fucking in-ground pool or if he just fucking washes his tub and one of them old plastic fucking who knows what. 
But the motherfucker's putting out records, which means he's selling records. Record labels that don't make more records, that's because they're not selling records. Because people aren't pushing them, or the, the bands are got aren't doing the things that other bands do to sell records. A record label's job is to sell the record, which means back then, these people like the Josh Trust Kills and shit... I should say my friend Carl from Nora, Big Job and T- Ferret. I mean, you can go all the way back. I mean, uh, throughout all this podcast, last 140-something fucking episodes, we talked a lot about what bands do and how they help get labels off and how they their bands' interactions with labels just by being the kids or just being it. Like, we're pivotal in making sure these record labels, like, you know, these revs and all this stuff, they didn't just pop up. None of these labels pop up. They all start in our scene from hardcore people. Now, there's a couple people that may have not been the deepest in the deep end of the pool or ocean, if you want to say, but they still had some inkling or some understanding. No one's just taking some money from their parents with no interaction and no idea of hardcore and just starting a label. I know that sounds like the idea, like some rich guy with like a big cigar in his mouth is going to walk up and go, I got a load of fucking cash. I'm going to put it on hardcore. Because you'd be fucking stupid. Plain and simple. But those people are going to come in the hand when we talk a little bit later. So keep in mind, you know, it's not always that way, right? The major point here is that these people that kind of get villainized sometimes, be it the labels, and then uh, as we get into the managers are seen as, like, beyond the world of hardcore, but it's where the fuck they come from. Caveat to that will also come later as we talk beyond this. But right now in the current state, we're talking about the hardcore side of things. And, and this shit all came from us. It came from page one and page two and page three, and now I'm in my auxiliary page just talking about managers and labels. Managers often played in bands. Some of the best managers... Played in bands, and you know what? They And the same thing for the agents, the booking agents in this regard. Some of the biggest booking agents didn't do well in their own bands, but from having the perspective of not playing in the band or doing the band's business by being like a step back, this is a Jocko Willing thing, where like if you're so close to something, you're not going to see the same perspective as someone who takes a step back. And looks at it. The perspective bias is there. So these managers and these label people who are hardcore people, you know, some of them, some of the new people, yeah, they might not have been in every band. They might have done a lot of tours. But, you know, they at least had some basis of understanding. But the the ones I talk about, the ones I'm most friendly with, the ones that I can eat with, the ones that I sit down and laugh with... These motherfuckers been there. These motherfuckers know what's going on. They they put their blood, their sweat, their tears into it, and they're still doing it now, and they just are in a different class where their job sits within the industry side because they're in the job of keeping bands paid, keeping bands playing, and keeping record labels happy. You need all these things to succeed in continuing the process. There's no, it's not like, remember, um, there's no like end game here. You know, like there, it's not like one day a band is going to make enough money that they just win the game of hardcore. No, it's a cycle. That's the important thing of this whole industrial, if we're talking about industrial thing. An industry doesn't get to an end game. It's just a content, a con- 
continuation. See, I want to say the right word. Didn't want to send, uh, uh, sound like uh, my boy Pablo over in that uh, Broad Street Breakdown. But the, to continue the game, to continue the reason why 44, not 44, or 48 years after the start of Black Flag, Greg Jinn still goes on tour. Shit has to happen. Records have to be sold. Tours have to be booked. Venues have to be packed. Promoters have to be involved. It's a cycle. All of this shit plays in hand. Hand in hand. You're spinning a fucking wheel. Wheel and wheel and wheel and wheel and wheel and wheel. Round the way it goes. This Days meets somebody. He knows this guy from another band. Maybe he knows this guy. He's got a good idea. And he's like, oh, you know what? This is cool. I like this. And you and I have a relationship. I'm going to put down on it. I'm going to put time into something my fucking associate, someone who I know, maybe a friend, maybe someone whose previous works were solid and would like to see more from them. They invest their own capital, as in putting out these fucking records, so this shit can happen. That's not by plant definition, but if we call industry plant, it's not exactly, not exactly an industry plant, but the caveat starts. I'll give you the caveat. And, and I actually, I love it. I love the internet and I love the ability to Google because when I'm, when I'm, when I have my own idea, I like to see what the internet word is. So, from Wikipedia, industry plant is a pejorative used to describe musicians who ostensibly become popular through nepotism, inheritance, wealth, or their connections in the music industry rather than their own merits. Artists described as industry plants often present themselves as independent and self-made and are alleged to have public image manufactured for them by record labels. Now, for those who really want to get down, and I'm down to get down because you're listening and I'm just chatting. And I, I went from, I went from not being able to say a fucking word and now I'm rolling again, baby. For those who don't know what pejorative means, expressing contempt or disapproval. So if you're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know. Why, why are you saying these words? I don't know. It's a pejorative, meaning it's negative. All right. I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody out here. Walking away saying, this Joe is using words I don't understand what the hell they mean. Because I got all fucking day and so do you. Apparently or purportedly, but perhaps not exactly, portrayed as the blue-collar type, ostensibly a carpenter. And so the meaning overall is an outward appearance, seemingly. And that's, that's an important thing to understand when we're talking about the pejorative. It's assumed they became popular through nepotism. Nepotism is one of the great words that people probably don't understand. You get it, Nepotism is the act of granting an advantage, privilege, or position to relatives in an occupation or field. The interesting aspect of the word nepotism is that it is... Rooted to nepotism, which is, where's the, uh, I want to actually make sure I'm saying the Latin right. And this is how nerdy we're going to get here. 
nepotism Latin. Here it is. Uh, actually, it's not because I, I type. I have big fat fingers. Here we are. Uh, yes. It is borrowed from nepotism and, and the Italian nepotismo. And it is actually a reference to the practice of the popes appointing relatives, most often nephews as cardinals during the Middle Ages and Renaissance. So you'd have a lot of people who are popes who technically do not have the legal right to have sex with women, who just had all these nephews, aka illegitimate sons. And these illegitimate sons of cardinals and popes all through the Middle Ages and Renaissance were getting into high power positions through the church. That's a beautiful way to look at nepotism. So why nepotism is important in this word, it means that people who are connected within the industry who don't really have to work for it, they kind of inherit it or their nepotism like through their friend or maybe they have some other social collateral that makes it or they also say, or their connections in the music industry allow them to kind of skip the line where they don't have to start off with a website and no one know them. They don't have to start going to shows and handing out tapes. They are who they are and people fucking know them and it lets them get up the ladder. And there's a lot of argument for this and there's a lot of argument against it. But if I was the jerk off kid that was like, this is an industry plant, I would say it depends on who it is. You know, like this fucking Scott Vogel, does he have to go into a record label every time this dickhead starts a new fucking band and go, hey, well, I'm Scott Vogel and I've been going to shows, I don't know, a long time now, bro. I started this band with my brother, then I had this other band, then, I, you know, I even played drums for a bit and then I started really like the first bands I was, it's like no one needs that from him, man. It's fucking Scott motherfucking Vogel. He fucking made a coloring book and people bought it because it said Scott fucking Vogel on it. He didn't know industry. No one said he was an industry plant because he had a coloring book. Who did he know to put out coloring books? Just fucking did this shit because he's Scott Vogel. This is the crazy shit. That being said, there is a lot of motherfuckers who ain't Scott Vogel who have found backdoors, ladders, and other ways, shoots and ladder style, to get a little bit ahead of what their actual activity, what their actual interest is, what their actual uh, value is. <laughs> but that's the way the fucking game works. Because it goes back to managers and labels. There's going to be people. And the kind of shit that got me ramped the fuck up about... An hour ago before I decided to start this motherfucking rant that's 35 minutes in. Is that Hardcore's afraid to fucking admit that it's bereft with this fucking industry fucking shit. They're afraid to fucking just say it. They're afraid to fucking embrace it. One hand having two people touch their money. Maybe third if they got another, uh, what do they call it, like passive income uh, web store through something like Cold Cuts. No one wants to just say, yeah, well, you know, we're like a, we're a cottage industry within the larger music industry. We're like a boutique niche genre. You know, like just say, hey, yo, the hardcore scene, there's people that work for a living to help the ball still roll. I, I'm a fucking adult. I can understand that. Not let them, you know, whatever. But as everybody's whatever and everybody's eating off the fat of the land, you gotta fucking remember 
that there were people in this motherfucker who figured out how to make the actual size of a seven inch record and they would photocopy them, steal the photocopies, fold them, glue them, put them together, and they would put them everything by hand. This fucking Greg Jen, I don't care if people aren't happy that Henry Rollins isn't the singer of Black Flag or whatever this shit is. That motherfucker put hardcore on the map. He put so much crazy shit into motion that would be the fucking platform for all the shit that you motherfuckers who are young listen to now. Ain't no SST records. There ain't no Meat Puppets. There isn't no fucking... There, there isn't uh, Sonic Youth. There's just not a lot of shit here. Because these motherfuckers were the one laying the fucking roads down like the Romans. Wasn't even a road to tour on this fucking did this shit. So I'm tired of hearing that. As I get on my fucking tirade, just admit it. There's managers and labels. And every once in a while, a label or a manager are going to put someone ahead of the line. Who maybe not have ever played a show... But people off the word of the fucking label or word of the people involved in the project are going to check it out. And if you want to fucking complain about it, then you ain't doing everything I said all the way back in fucking page two, which is get your fucking band, go play shows, go meet people, meet more people, go to other fucking shows, play other cities, go to shows in other fucking cities, and keep fucking grinding. The people that keep fucking grinding ain't worried about who's getting what, who's not, and where's me. They're grinding. Every band who ever fucking really succeeded fucking grinded. This fucking Vogel grinded. Fucking Roger from Agnostic Front living in hovels. No electric. But he figured out because he was went to took an electric class how to put electrics in squats in the fucking Alphabet City of the Lower East Side. What the fuck? You know? This is fucking hardcore. And yeah, we're really detached from all this. You got people that just print your t-shirts, people that print your fucking records. You got people that make your artwork. Same Canadian dude with the same logo that Chris Cat made for fucking release before all these kids were even fucking born. Guys still out there making the Orco looking shit. You guys all got on your logos with some graffiti shit. Like I said previously, graffiti more on the merch than where the fuck you live. Thank you, JP, for what you said at Tied Down about that. You know, it's like this fucking goopy shit where no one does the real shit. You know? Yo, my fucking boy Bob got two LPs sent to his goddamn house. This is a kid who, who knows, people, you could probably put a bet on the Bridge Nine board if Bob Wilson was going to live to see 30 at some point. And it was probably more in the positive that he wasn't. He's out there putting the records out of his fucking boys and people whose work he loves because he's fucking grinding every fucking day. It's amazing to see what people do when they keep their head down, they stay in the fucking game, and they just do what they want. Success is not measured in gold. It's not measured at any other point than if the shit that you're doing is working enough that you can fucking continue to do it. So when this shit pops up, and it's industry plant, and then like my 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 guy Malachi, he's from Scal, he's like, well, yeah, people are saying we're an industry plant, and it's like, you know, there's arguments for and against it, but you have to you have to accept the evil with the good. Yo, you know what? You're playing for a lot of kids. You're playing in bands. 
you're traveling, you're doing your shit, you have a label, you have management. That's what an industry is. Don't let that word industry become negative because an industry is how things fucking move. The industry is the factory. You know? And then there's a bunch of factories now. You understand? It's that label. We talk about the labels and the fucking the management companies and these goofy media companies and all this other shit. It's all like I could make a million other versions of these sheets of how like the hardcore scene, the big fest scene, the big music scene, the live nations, the golden voices, the you know, the Bowery's, all these bigger companies play into it. These um these energy drinks and other brands that are and PBR who subsidize the help, the smaller things grow. These are all a part of a fucking water wheel that keeps spinning and churning this shit out. And if it stopped, some of the things people would still do by hand and it would be slower. Some of the people would say that, hey, this is better now. There's less this involved. But ultimately, there's no wrong way of doing it as long as it's getting done. If shows are still happening, bands are still playing, kids are still seeing shows, this shit's still fucking happening. And that's the bottom line of this shit. You know, um, for me, all throughout the 140-something episodes, I talk about shit like this because it's really fucking important. It's important for people to understand, you know, like, we... We stressed that we would love to be Roger Agnostic Front in 1984. Till you go to his house and there's no Wi-Fi. And he probably didn't have hot running water. And he had slept with a million fucking dogs just to keep the fucking crackheads out. That's a cool way to look at hardcore. But, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with Josh from Trustkill starting an empire. Because he had a big-ass fucking uh, garage slash basement. And his mom was cool enough to let bands come over. Hey, the bad way to go now. Look what all the things he did. And this is just really about positive movement for sitting back and complaining. But also at the same time, don't, you know, don't, don't sugarcoat this shit. This is an industry. This is a world where, you know, a band who took off from one of the more successful bands at the end of the 2010s became one of the more recent very popular bands that have come from this small, lesser known, not mainstream, but still well accessible part of punk rock is from. Turnstile. And it's just the way it is. We're always going to generate from time to time. I don't even want to know what the number is for what Turtle Fights turned down, but it's a lot of fucking money from what everyone says. They have their reasons. It's good for them. Who knows? All I can tell you is that this thing is not going away because there's too many hands in the pot that knows how to keep the ball rolling. Again, this fucking TSLL's playing. This Black Flag's playing. Negative Approach is still going. Agnostic Front is celebrating 40 fucking years of victim and pain. For those who wonder why I even bring that up, it just happened to be that Jack Flanagan, R.I.P., who was in Heart Attack and later The Mob, who would go on to be the manager of things like Clutch and Guar and a lot of bands, his father put him on to how they could press seven inches and they started Mob Records and he showed Roger, hey, this is how we pressed a record and that's how Roger and then did that fucking record. You know, just a bunch of kids, New York City, Lower East Side, 
making records happen and off the backs of these people and the backs of these records, everything spins. That's just one of many beginnings. The Discord folks, Al Burrell learned a lot from that kind of shit. The people in California were even doing it beforehand, the SST and all the people that, you know, like this has been an amazing process of growth that started like literally like the caveman knocking two rocks together and turning it to fire. And the fire is not going to go the fuck out. So you have to understand this shit. You have to be okay with what you're talking about. And that's the part that I never really got to. Because I, I, not that I kept it real, but I kept a real idea of the kind of person that I am when the microphone's not on, be it then with Punishment Shattered Realm, now with the podcast. My folk, my people come from getting up and going to work before the sun comes up. Sometimes we work till the sun comes down. Luckily, because it's Philadelphia, we all have unions. And we're union dudes. We put on shows. We have a good living. And I get to do shows. My mother is recognized by people from Japan to South America to England. A woman who put herself through GED, made her own way through college, and never really left Philadelphia aside from a couple trips and lived within the same square 10 miles of her entire 60 years of her life, but is loved through people all over for her giving her house in the middle of Frankfurt up so so many bands could stay at it, yada, yada, yada. It's it's an important thing to understand that the word industry isn't bad. The hardcore scene is still a hardcore scene, and it all works off human interaction. It all works with meetings. It all works with vibes. You're going to sync up with people that you do like. You're going to not sync with people that you should like. It's the weirdest part. There's people I should really get along with. I just don't. Because personalities differ. Or maybe we're both looking at things from a different perspective. Or we have the same perspective. But since we're both going after it, there's a competition. There's a lot of emotional uh, elements that change the human interaction. And the ability to be good friends or... You know, not your competitors. And that's a whole different podcast. I want to get into it. So the best I could tell you is, you know, in the modern day with the Internet really does spin everything. But it's always going to be that the kids are going to go to the shows. Now with the Internet, the shows helps push the bands. The bands eventually get the labels. Bands who get labels and really start touring, they're going to need management because there's way bigger fish to fry. And um, these people want to build your little fish into a bigger fish, to a bigger fish. And along the way, as you're growing as a fish in this musical industry core world, you need someone who's smart enough, who's been there, who can help you navigate the seas as a fish to not get eaten by a fucking shark and end up with nothing. And if you look at all these fucking bands who fucking paved the way in their blood, their sweat, their tears, their own fucking money, who live like fucking savages in compared to how somebody off their first U.S. tour can tour now, don't have a pension, don't have anything fiscally to look at, and are touring out of the love of the music, but you know it's a good way for them to subsidize extra living. A lot of these bands that I still love, these guys are 20 years older than me, and I'm fucking 44 in a couple months. You understand this? Bands now are eating off a fat of a land that was there in cash way more because of the, the, 
the power of cash and all the other stuff, but there were so many people instrumentally in fucking over these bands, famously fucking over an entire generation plus of people, and it continued and continued and continued because people in the industry drive things to the point. It's like, uh, I don't want to use the wrong expression and get a fucking DM like, yo, you're a fucking idiot and don't talk about it. But there's like the way that people basically scorch the earth farming for shit versus farming and everything kind of reseeds and settles and it's organically a better process. These people are out here to make money off these fucking bands. We've talked about it a bunch of times on podcasts where bands are constantly pushed to tour, constantly pushed to release records before maybe they need a release. Or maybe, you know, I mean, for me, I look at hardcore and go, yo, some of these best bands in hardcore who are, you know, they came out 40 years ago, it's their first record, sometimes their second record, but no one needs 19 records from them. This ain't the fucking Kiss record, you know? But the record label's in the business of making records. They don't give a fuck about whether the fans are buying the records until it's like, oh, yeah, well, you guys suck now. Well... A lot of times these guys get run dry, but that's a whole, we've talked about that enough. So the best thing I could tell you about all this shit is that you want to talk about the hardcore scene, you have to keep in mind, it's completely, for the most part, it is people, to some degree, and when we say degree, let's just say like seven degrees of separation degree, some degree have interacted with the scene enough to build the trust within that they are active either just socially or, you know, financially or industry-wise involved in this shit. And that's why the fuck they're here. And you're not getting rid of it. And getting rid of it or destabilizing it or, you know, shutting it down is just dumb. No shows, no bands, no music. I don't like that. You know, there's tons of bands that are very popular that I don't listen to. It's just not for me. I don't shit talk to them, but it's just, I'm not going to put the record on, you know? This new wave of kids and the, the bands and ideas of the music and the direction, sometimes it doesn't go. Sometimes it hits so awesome. I'm so psyched, you know? And there's a lot of shit to this, man. And I, you don't have to stay here for your whole life. You can come here for a couple of years and then have a very famous career somewhere else and pop back in. There's no way, real way. There's no real one schematic of this is the perfect way to do this. But in these conversations where industry plant comes up and people get upset, the deniers of the industry plant are hiding some of it because there's always going to be people who have grown up in shows or have value of what they think will work, and they're going to go through their friend before they're going to go someone they don't know. So if you're in a band right now and no one knows you, that's your fault. You have all of the tools right fucking now to be known if you work hard enough. Write good songs. If they're not good songs, work harder, write good songs. Or if we want to have the great Wild Stallions argument, if you don't have a good song, have a great video. If you don't have a great video... Well, then you need to get a good guitarist. Then you'll get a good song. Then you'll have a rocking video. But you don't have a video. You can have social media. There's tons of bands that suck fucking ass, but three of their members are best friends with everybody online all single day, and they still get shit done. You know? And then there's also this goofy element from managers and booking agents and people who think, like, oh, this band was just hungry because they just punished them all the time. Even the punishers win sometimes. But, you know. You see a Punisher on stage punishing people. You know, they usually fail, but they still get out there. 
what I'm saying is, is there's a lot of reasons why some bands who maybe organically don't have the biggest following or the biggest amount of things, they're getting there. And it's because they work within the social strata of the scene. They go to shows, they meet people, they network, and they make shit happen for themselves. If you're sitting at home hating on everybody, you don't even go to local shows, people don't know who the fuck you are. Or maybe they're your username, but they don't know who the fuck your real name is. They don't know what band you're in. They don't even know what town you live in. It's going to be a lot harder for you to get around. You maybe shouldn't show all this time on the internet complaining about what you don't have. Put the time into what you do have. Push it fucking forward. Make some shit fucking happen. But for all you people that want to believe that you're Roger from Agnostic Front in the Lower East Side or you're SST, Chuck Bukowski, and fucking uh, Jen creating a goddamn touring path that eventually would be helping the birth of the fucking independent music scene that would take over the 80s metal and turn it into the 90s grunge scene, you're out of your fucking mind. You're not part of that. You're part of a fucking system that was created before you got there. And you got to learn where you're at and make your way in it. Kick some ass. Play some dope shows. Be kind to people you don't know. Don't just kiss ass. You don't need to be friends with everybody on the internet. And stop talking out of your ass. It's okay to be in industry. Industry means success. It means it's moving. It's moving. It's going fucking forward. It means there's a process of people that are involved, helping, promoting, pushing, investing, hoping to see the thing continue. That's a good thing. Every once in a while, somebody you don't know is going to get ahead of you. But guess what? Keep grinding and that shit will change. Stop being a bitch about it. I love every single one of you forever listening. Episode 150 is going to be the bomb, I promise you. Sorry that the radio silence, but I didn't have any of this kind of inertia, energy, even the impetus to get up and try. It was hard, man. My desk is a mess. I haven't painted in a long time. And this really got me excited again to do the podcast. I love you all. Thank you for everything you did. Thank you for those who bought t-shirts. Thank you for everybody. And um, just be blessed that you have something like this because I have tons of friends who live very banal, nondescript lives. And when I talked about, oh, I know this person. I met my girlfriend here. I met this person here. They're amazed that there's a like a secret world out there where all this is happening because they're just normal people. We're not normal people. We have a different kind of social life. We like to go travel hundreds of miles, stay in hotels to watch people get kicked in the face so we can watch our favorite bands that we can just sit at home and watch later on when Sonny puts the shit up on the internet. It's very weird, but it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and I'm very fucking thankful that 30-something years ago I got to go ahead and see Biohazard at the TLA and change me from a long hair into a hardcore kid. Love you all. Take care. Be good. Bye-bye.